are tuned to the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast, the place for the very best in news, injury reports, and stat lines for the 2019 CFL Fantasy Football season. Now, here is this week's show. Happy Labor Day weekend. It is episode number 88 of the Onside CFL Fantasy Podcast. Dave Donaldson and Ben Kramer brought to you by... SK Divestitures, the voice of Dan the Stats Guy off the top, bringing us in as always, much appreciated. His efforts to that and contributing the defensive stats, which sometimes appear in this podcast, depending if we decide to bring it in uh, this week. Well, Ben Kramer, a guy who always brings it every week, and last week he and I reluctantly put a podcast together, begrudgingly, but we'll we'll have this one for you because there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we'll start it off with the knuckle tapper, give him crap, Ben. Uh, maybe a bit of both or either or. Uh, for this, for the week 11, were there a, was there a performance in there or a decision you made in fantasy football you want to give a knuckle tap to or give someone crap? Oh, where do you even start with that at this point, right? It's been quite a year. I think it's everybody can dump on Andrew Harris this week, so why not? Just pile on more, right? It, it, it was not another great week. It was not particularly fun to watch, and now we get to not watch him for two weeks while he goes and has a timeout to think about what he's done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I imagine we won't be the only podcast talking about this that this week for sure, but I think that... Uh, yeah, we'll take the fantasy high road for the time being, maybe. I don't know. I'm sure his name will probably come up at some point in time again, but I digress. But it's a good week to pick, right? If there's any any two games on the schedule to bow yourself out at, why not the Riders, right? Th- those aren't big matchups during the week for Winnipeg and Saskatchewan. Yeah, we'll have to see how that one plays out. I'll be taking the youngest to that game on the weekend, and hopefully it's worth watching. Hopefully it's... Fun, and hopefully there's some points scored, because that last Saskatchewan game, they put up points, but man alive, it was kind of a gross offensive effort in which nobody was really able to put together a whole lot other than Powell kind of falling into the end zone a couple times. Yeah, and Corey Watson seeing more balls than Kyron Moore, that's for another day for me. As I, I still won my fantasy matchup, though, as I'll get to picking on the guy that I played a little later in the show. He's a faithful listener. I had Kyron Moore, and most of my receivers did nothing. But thanks to Dylan Wynn's big performance in my fantasy league, I won that one. Well, I'm going to give a little bit of crap, and this is going to sound weird, but um, almost to some of the media, actually. Anybody who was picking on McLeod Bethel Thompson for most of the year and criticizing his skill set, saying that, you know, the other 13 teams that he played for, did they get it wrong? And, you know, McLeod Bethel Thompson's turned into a pretty good fantasy performer, and I'm going to say that I was the guy who believed in him from day one. I thought he was a good quarterback. He just needed a little more diversity in play calling. Now look at the guy. He's tied for second in the league in the CFL right now for passing touchdowns. McLeod Bethel Thompson, the same one everybody was whipping on for a while. That's my give him crap that, uh, hey, you know what? You can't say, well, look, he's good now because you already threw him under the bus. I don't know. Maybe not just media, but everybody, right? Isn't that kind of annoying? He's significantly less terrible than I thought he was 10 weeks ago. (laughs) I'll give him that, right? Like, the reality is, if he played for any other team, he'd probably be MOP candidate right now. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Which is is absurd that a guy who's a quarterback for a 1-8 team is putting up better statistics than just about any other quarterback in the league at this point. 
Ben, you're a guy I respect, and if there's someone in Canada I would ask for CFL fantasy advice from, you're, you're the guy. So I'm going to ask you this question right here, right now. Fantasy stats-wise, which player would you rather have? A guy who has 3,481 yards, 14 TDs, six of them rushing TDs, three games that are 400-plus yards, three games 300-plus, and three times he's thrown for three TDs, or... A quarterback who has 2,112 yards, eight TDs, two games less than 100 yards this year, two games less than 200 yards. Which which one would you rather have on your fantasy team? This sounds like a trick question, Dave. <laughs> this sounds like a trick question. Because I know I look like I'm stupid on this podcast sometimes, but <laughs> my wife tells me and my kids think I'm not actually stupid. So I'll go with number one, and then you can tell me how wrong I am later. Yeah, no, this this is one of the things that uh, I teased a little bit on the podcast, and I thought about, like, where's the best spot to pop this in? You know, maybe I'll just throw it in off the top, because it's something I've been thinking on and, and you know, going over in my brain and, and trying to figure out and reason the two. And so in case you hadn't figured it out, that's Trevor Harris's stats were the first one. And Cody Fajardo's stats were the second one. Now, two guys that I like a lot. I've said a number of times that Ben feels the same way. The two guys, great caliber quarterbacks, and I'll let Ben interject in this in a second here. Two guys that are in the right spot, leading their teams. Teams are winning. You know, they're, they're making things happen. But all I seem to hear all over every channel you turn to, Trevor Harris can't get it done in the red zone. And Cody Fajardo is literally the greatest thing since sliced bread. So I thought, all right, no, that that's fair. I, I respect that. I mean, Fajardo wasn't supposed to be as good as he was this year. He Obviously, Caleros was the guy, right? And Harris is the big, you know, big 500K-plus quarterback. So I looked in the stats, and I thought, okay, well, where's this inefficiency? So both Harris and Fajardo each have four games they have not thrown for a TD. Harris has almost double the yards, double the TDs, he has, you know, three games plus 400 yards, literally the exact same stats, but for whatever reason, in the media, everywhere, all over social media, people continue to say Trevor Harris can't get it done, but Cody Fajardo is the man. Another thing, Cody Fajardo has only thrown, he hasn't thrown for more than two touchdowns in a game, not once this year. So that was just my, my question. I thought, hmm, head scratcher of the week. Well, you know they have the worst red zone percentage in the league, right, Dave? True, but... Th- they're still scoring touchdowns. I would say that's not getting it done. <laughs> you sit on whatever kind of high seat you need to sit on, my friend. But uh, when you've got a uh, red zone percentage that's second worst only to Ottawa, that's not a whole lot to be proud of. You can move the ball all you want, but if you're settling for field goals, you will lose football games. And I think they've proven that a few times already this year. Fajardo, I'm not saying he's a better quarterback by any means. That would be a stupid thing to say. But he effectively moves the ball in the red zone, and when he can't throw it in the end zone, which he obviously hasn't a whole lot, he's running it in the end zone in some way, shape, or form. Red zone production matters a lot. And more often than not, if you settle for field goals too often, you are going to lose football games. So I'll give him that much. He's certainly producing yards, and he certainly has produced a lot of touchdowns. But it's just way too inconsistent and timid once it gets inside the 20. 
Yeah, that's fair. And that's kind of where I knew you would go with that. That's why I left that for you there. And that, that tells me that uh, you were just as smart as the man that I know you are. <laughs> but and the part that scratches my head and, you know, I'm sure the listeners can probably yell at their, you know, cars or whatever, their iPods is or phones as they're listening to this too. But does William Powell's touchdowns in the red zone have anything to do with Cody Fajardo as a quarterback as compared to C.J. Gable's touchdowns that he's not scoring in the red zone have anything to do as a reflection on Trevor Harris as a quarterback. Is that not more the offensive line? You know what? It's a lot of it is coordinators. It's a lot of play calling. It's a lot of situational stuff, whether you're second and long, wherever you're putting yourself. Because quite often Edmonton is throwing deep on first down. They're leaving themselves with second and longs. And then defenses sit in coverage, right? they're leaving themselves in bad spots consistently, whereas the Rough Riders, they tend to go for the short passes and running on first down, which leaves them in second and manageable and gives them more options in the red zone. So I don't know. I don't know everything, but I do know that they can't score touchdowns. But yet Trevor Harris has almost double the touchdown stats Fajardo does, which is one of those things we could talk about for hours. But you're right. They also throw, yeah, they also throw about 25% more. Yeah, you're right. Totally. It was one of those head scratcher things that I looked up and I thought like, oh man, I want to talk about this with Ben and I know Ben's going to take it the road he's going to go, but it's still one of those great water cooler conversations when it comes to November, you know, who would you rather have as your quarterback, Cody Fajardo or Trevor Harris? And maybe that's something we could throw out to the listeners right now. And I know there's a number of them in Saskatchewan, so we almost exclude them in the <laughs> conversation. Just kidding, Saskatchewan fans. But the reality is anybody who says Fajardo over Harris is stupid. And I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. Harris is a better quarterback. But the fact remains at this point, he does consistently bog down in the red zone. He did it for the past two years in Ottawa, and he's brought it on west to Edmonton. This is something that plagues him. Now, whether it's systems, whether it's play calling, whether it's his own tendencies, whatever it might happen to be, it's a struggle that he's got, and it's for real. If you have two games already this season where you've settled for seven field goals and short field goals, when you had the opportunity and passed for 400 yards in those games, that's a problem that's screaming at somebody that says, this is going to be a problem for real-world football, when even for fantasy, it still is salvageable with that kind of yardage points. Well, fantasy-wise, they're both guys that you want to have in their lineup regardless, and probably when we get to your t- plays for week number 12, I imagine a couple of guys' names will be in there. Because, Ben, there's only three games this week, and that's a topic you and I <laughs> talked about on air that we could probably talk about at length on here, but just a head-scratcher. The, the, the big marketable weekend of the entire year in only three games. Just a weird one. So, <clears throat> when we get into week number 12... Uh, notable changes roster-wise, I guess, as we talked about, Andrew Harris out with Johnny Augustine in. Winnipeg seems to be pretty confident Johnny Augustine can run the ball, and I imagine when you get to your running backs, we can talk about that possible situation. Bully by Mitchell. Sounds like he's going to be coming off the sixth game there and back in the line of band. Any other fantasy-wise names that are back in this weekend that uh, jump off the page for you? Yeah, the couple other big ones. Darvin Adams is off the sixth game this week. He'll be back in the lineup versus Saskatchewan. And it looks like Winnipeg is going to activate John Santiago off of the practice roster as well, and it's going to be kind of a three-four-way headed monster out of the backfield for Winnipeg this week. It'll be Santiago, it'll be Augustine, it'll be Strevler, it'll be Dembski, all of them getting carries and touches. So it makes that whole situation 
pretty confusing versus a rush defense that you really don't want to face unless you have your stuff together. All right, so let's get into start, sit, or swap. We will start with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, as Ben mentioned, the game that him and his young one are going to on the weekend. Well, the pass attack, eh, certainly not up there. The game that I went to last weekend, Chris Trevler's legs <laughs> got in the yards, not through the air. For the Bombers, Lucky Whitehead in the boundary slot back position, 44 targets, 32 catches, an average of about four of those per game. He's going toe-to-toe with Ed Gainey on a depth chart, air quotes. Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Shaq Evans, 55 targets, 37 catches, average of six per game. He'll be seeing Winston Rose quite a bit. And Cody Fajardo's showing he likes to spread it around. So, Ben Kramer, start, sit, or swap. Do you want either one of those or a different guy? I think Shaq Evans is the one I'd want out of the two. I don't think you want any part of any Bombers receivers this week. Nobody projects for more than four targets in a game, and last week they passed fewer than 20 times. So I don't think that you probably want to pay up the salaries that you're going to have to pay for any of these Bombers receivers, especially with the minimal targets they'll be getting. Uh, Shaq Evans looks to be playing off that boundary-wide receiver spot that Devaris Daniels made an absolute field day of last week. So I think regardless of price, that's certainly one that you want to look at. Hamilton and Toronto. Brandon Banks, highest targeted receiver in the CFL. 86 of them. 56 catches, 9 of them per game. Up against uh, Kevin Fogg, looks like, on a depth chart. Fogg had the nice pick last week. And Darrell Walker. Didn't see a lot of balls, but he hauled in a touchdown last week for the Toronto Argos of the boundary-wide receiver. 64 targets, 38 catches, an average of 7 or so per game. And uh, Jamal Roll. And Delvin Bro have occupied that field corner, or excuse me, that boundary corner spot at a 56% completion percentage rate. So pretty decent number there for the Hamilton Ticats. Start, sit, or swap between those guys. I think at the salaries they are at, Braylon Addison is probably your best bet on the TSN contest. He still, his salary just never goes up. It just hovers right around 6000 despite the fact that he's getting about nine targets a game. And it's certainly been Dane Evans' favored target since he took over under center. Banks certainly has the most upside in the game, but his salary is still just ridiculous. It's not going to be something that most people are thinking of affording. And on the Toronto side of the ball, the targets are wildly variant from week to week. As we saw last week, Rodney Smith was the guy who got about a dozen targets plus last week. And the high-priced guys were just totally forgotten in the offense. And versus a Hamilton defense, it's one of the better ones in the league as far as giving up, I think, the second-fewest yards per target to opposing receivers this season and only five total passing touchdowns so far this year I don't think you want to major too heavily on any of that part of the Toronto passing game so I'll go with Addison yeah Braylon Addison 12-10-9-9 last four weeks that's with Dane Evans at the controls and and a game with 11 there as well four is the lowest amount of targets he's seen and that's twice this season i'd have to agree on that one as well uh and rounding things out the battle of alberta ricky collins 74 targets 50 catches about seven per game he sees you'll see some brandon smith very likely 73 percent completion percentage according to sk divestitures group and as well on the other side of it reggie bagleton field slot back on the inside 62 targets 49 catches around seven a game you'll see some don unamba about a 63 percent completion percentage so far this season one of those guys or someone else yeah, I'm fine with Collins for this week. He's continually one of the lowest-priced receivers amongst that Edmonton trio. And last time they played against Calgary, he had half a dozen catches for 100-plus yards and a pair of touchdowns. I don't think you expect 
Similar numbers again this week against the Calgary defense. It's one of the better pass defenses in the league. But I think there's going to be a lot of passes thrown. Edmonton projects for just under 40 pass attempts this week. So Collins should certainly get his share of targets and probably my one of my favorite plays of this week. All right, well, let's get into your plays of the week as we'll start at the quarterback position. Not a whole lot of options with only three games and six teams to choose from. Top plays for week 12 with CFL.ca's and Daily Roto's Ben Kramer. Yeah, Trevor Harris is on top of the projection sheet, and like we said earlier, he's going to pass just about the most times in the league on a weekly basis other than maybe Macbeth, and that's just because they're slanted so heavily towards the past in scheme and game scripts. So Harris's price just about twice as much as any of the other starting quarterbacks, which takes him generally out of consideration. But in a week that you don't have a lot of other reliable options, whether it's at receiver or at running back due to injuries, suspensions, and matchups, it's not the worst idea in the world to lock in Harris and his 24 points that you're likely to get plus. And then just punt the rest of the positions for whatever you can get because the workloads are going to be split into a number of different ways depending on which way you go at running back or wide receiver. Going down from there, if you want, you can play a running back in the quarterback position this week with Chris Strevler. He's just under $7,000 this week. He projects for about 14 rush attempts and about 17 pass attempts. And between the two of those, you're really just kind of tacking on a few passing point yards on top of what you hope to get out of maybe 80 or 90 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground. So versus Saskatchewan, it's one of the better rush defenses in the league. He's not one of the better options, but the low salary certainly keeps him in consideration. And if you're going to go down from there, you're probably looking down into that Dane Evans range in the matchup versus Toronto that everybody wants on a weekly basis. The problem for Evans is he has yet to pass over about 260 yards in a game, and the Hamilton offense has only averaged about 22 points a game since he took over at quarterback, which aren't really great numbers to be have to put up for fantasy projections, but the fact that he's still priced below 6000 makes him an option at the best value on the slate at the quarterback position. I don't think I heard Bo Levi Mitchell's name in there, and I we don't know if he's starting either, right? We don't know what the plan is for him? No, the, the word was that he took all the starter reps this week, and uh, he was looking pretty good in practice as far as just letting it rip like he did earlier in the season. I'd be surprised, though, that he's come off the injured list and taking reps in practice if he didn't start on Monday versus Edmonton. Whether it's him or Arbuckle, Arbuckle actually projects slightly better based on the numbers they've put so far together this season. But Mitchell would be an option, just a little bit of an overpriced option versus an Edmonton defense that's only given up about 46 plays a game to opposing offenses and some of the fewest yards per play to opposing offenses as well. It's probably not a situation that you'd look to be paying up for a guy like Mitchell coming off injury. It was a bit of an eclectic week last week for receivers. I had kind of had my eyes set hoping that BC and Hamilton turned into an air attack, and that never did. Saskatchewan's offense was a little weird. The Bombers' offense was, well, insert description word there, uh, adjective or whatever you want to call the Bombers' offense that showed up last week that they got a win with. So a bit of a weird week at receivers. Now heading into week 12, what do you got on tap for the pass catchers? Banks is great if you can afford him, but nobody can. So we can just move on from there to Braylon Addison. Like I mentioned before, it's the same kind of story. But Addison's going to get those 10 to 12 targets a week. And at 6,000, that's pretty hard to ignore versus a Toronto defense. It's giving up the most yards and the third most TDs 
per target to opposing receivers. So I think Addison is one of those guys that looking at his salary and opportunities and matchup, you just kind of lock in and work from there. Going down from there, you're going to get the three in the next five spots are all the Edmonton trio of Daniels, Ellingson, and Collins. Daniels getting kind of 10 targets a game over the last two or three games as well certainly bumps his projection up, but likely to see a whole lot of Roberson this week on the boundary side. So you might want to look at one of the other two. Ellingson is kind of the most volatile receiver in CFL fantasy, and he's still kind of priced out of consideration around 8600 But Collins priced down in the 7400 range is quite reasonable at 8-9 targets a game. As we saw earlier, he certainly fits into the mold where that Calgary defense is going to be funneling targets his direction while they cut off the corner and kind of put brackets on Ellingson. So Collins is one of the better mid-tier options as far as still giving you high-end opportunity, but a little bit little of salary savings over some of his teammates. If you're going to drop down there, you can look into the range of Darrell Walker or some of those other Toronto receivers. But as we said, it's pretty hard to tell on a week-to-week basis where they're going to be going with the ball. Rodney Smith is priced down right around 4K, and I think if he still gets his five or six targets a game versus Hamilton, that's one that you could lock in there just about the same as Addison. If you're looking to pair somebody with Fajardo, I think Shaq Evans is the best option on that boundary side at wide receiver, where Daniels had so much success last week, especially given that Kyron Moore is probably the second target on that team, and his role has been significantly more volatile, and he's only been getting kind of 40, 50 yards receiving on his best game so far over the last month and a half. If you're really going to drop down a ways in that Saskatchewan-Winnipeg games, I think Corey Watson is certainly an option. He seems to be getting fairly regularly targeted on the underneath routes, especially on second down. So he probably doesn't have nearly as much upside as some of the other players out there, but at only 3,800, he's got a pretty safe floor to work with. Remember about a month and a bit ago when we talked about Naaman Roosevelt and how his career seemed to take a bit of a dip and you reason that well with the different routes that he's getting assigned to and et cetera, et cetera, and the role in the offense. Well, now Naaman Roosevelt has reappeared again at the expense of Kyron Moore, who is on my fantasy team. So Naaman, I apologize. And Cody, please throw the ball to Kyron. Like, I got to win a fantasy championship eventually. Come on. So, and it begs me to wonder, like you look at, Saskatchewan's run defense you talked about you know the success they've had or their defense overall as a whole the success they had and the touches Greg Morris got last week seemed to have a little bit of success and you know the running back position this year there's always been that clear-cut number one regardless Andrew Harris is going to see you know seven to ten targets through the air plus 18 touches to 20 touches along the ground he's almost that guaranteed worth that you know nine ten thousand dollars this week to me I'm looking going, it's a head-scratcher. Like, C.J. Gable never really has that big, 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 big game. And then the rest of the running backs, like, who do you pick? So, Ben, who do you got for week number 12 along the ground? Yeah, it's unfortunate the two bell cow kind of backs this week, Powell and Gable, face Winnipeg and Calgary, the two best rush defenses in the league to this point as far as yards per carry. They're both going to get their 12 to 13 carries and three or four targets in the pass game. But at eight and nine thousand dollar salaries, you'd certainly hope for a little bit more assurance than that. So value wise, they're really not going very well. 
the difficulty is going to be if you don't go with one of those surefire workloads, you're really going down into a place where you have no idea what the workload is going to be. Probably Chris Rainey versus Hamilton is going to be your best matchup and salary kind of combination as Hamilton is giving up some of the most yards per carry in the league and near the top in touchdowns per carry as well. Rainey is projections are bumped up a little bit by his special teams work it helps out a lot getting kind of four or five points a week just from returning punts and kicks so he's been leading that toronto backfield since wilder has been out in carries but he hasn't been getting nearly as many targets as burks and uh, burks is a fair bit less in salary as well he's just over four thousand so you kind of pick your poison i think you'd certainly like to have a running back versus hamilton based on the matchups and what they've generally been giving up this season. But between Rainey and Burks, it's a tough saw-off. Rainey's probably the safer player because of the special teams works, but Burks gets a few more targets, and he has that kind of upside. Dropping down from there, you have the Calgary backs, but they're both, frankly, quite drastically overpriced by what their production is, especially given the matchup versus Edmonton. The low volume that's expected for them, and Calgary running the second few running plays per game you probably don't want either part of six thousand dollar calgary backs so you could look at cameron marshall versus toronto that's giving up some of the most yards per carry and i believe the most touchdowns per carry on the ground marshall's only been getting 12 or 13 carries and few to no targets out of the backfield as coombs takes a lot of that work and it's, they've been splitting it up to receivers as well with Addison and Banks getting some carries and some looks out of the backfield as well. So Marshall has that upside where he could fall into the end zone twice against Toronto and no one would be surprised at $5,000. But he also has the floor of getting eight carries for 35 yards and that being your day. So I think probably from there you're looking at one of Rainey and Marshall to fill out your backfield and then if you really want to pick your poison you could drop down to the cheap backs from winnipeg uh, santiago at 3500 or augustine at 4500 and just hope again that one of them falls into the end zone and salvages their fantasy day because as of right now nobody's been able to put up significant yardage on the ground versus the rough riders Morris had some success, but it was generally as a receiver out of the backfield, not as a ball carrier. I think he still only had two or three points as an actual rusher last week. With the workload split up pretty evenly between Santiago, Augustine, and Dembski out of that backfield, not to mention Strevler vulturing as many carries as he will, it's tough to rely on too much production of either of those Winnipeg backs at this point. And for the Calgary running backs, I, I, I think the biggest variable for me is Who's going to stay healthy by the end of the game? That's kind of a, no disrespect to very, very talented running backs. but It's been the story for most running backs this season. It doesn't matter who you pick. One of them is going down on a weekly basis. And so whether it's Jackson, whether it's Marshall, whether it's one of these Toronto backs, whether it'll be somebody from Winnipeg, you're almost guaranteed on a weekly basis at least one highly owned player is going to go injured in the first quarter and kind of tank a whole lot of fantasy lineups along the way yeah like ottawa last week oh man was that difficult for sure probably busting a lot of people's fantasy lineups well ben i think you probably have to say almost one of the guaranteed point chuggers which is a bit of a head scratcher because every week it's almost a bit of a crapshoot especially when you weigh up the salary versus the point production when you compare that to a wide receiver for 5700 bucks there have been some really big fantasy defense performances throughout this season. Winnipeg's last week was big. Willie Jefferson alone in our in our fantasy 
Our rotisserie league, our season-long league, Willie Jefferson, had 58 points alone last week, which is absolutely ridiculous. Your scoring system sounds ridiculous. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> well, we... and. This is probably a good time to say I did get some messages on people wanting our spreadsheet template, and I just remembered that actually today. So to the two messages I got, yes, I will send those out to you. My apologies. I will get those to you. But we, when fantasy.ca was around a couple years back, we kind of doctored up a little bit, and Dan the Stats guy actually created a template that valued. So if, you know, generally receiver gets 100 yards and a touchdown, that's a pretty good game for a receiver. And on the flip side, if a... Uh, you know, defensive end gets two sacks and five tackles. That's a pretty good game. But what we found the way they priced it on Fantasy was you get one point per 10 yards for reception and then a six for a touchdown. Well, for I think for a sack, it was valued at like three or four. And then, you know, one point for 10. So they only got like 12 points where receiver would get 20. So Dan, the stats guy created a template. So eight for a sack and 10 for an interception, 10 for a defensive touchdown, which Willie Jefferson just cleaned house last week. That's pretty high. <laughs> I, I love me some season-long fantasy Ben and I You've talked about this before I'm excited for But hopefully the CFL is going to be getting on that uh, In the near future And I've been playing season-long for years Hopefully we've got something coming Years I think it's 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 a necessity Those IDP leagues Especially NFL It's hard With an IDP league with 32 teams But in the CFL Nine teams Almost a necessity You need an individual player league For sure Defensive side Adds more excitement Anyway, so week 12 defenses on my little, so there's a lot of side tangents tonight. I apologize if you're a meat and potatoes podcast listener, because, you know, I, I tend to throw a lot of caramel and rice instead of meat and potatoes. Okay, Ben, week 12, who do you got? Caramel's delicious, Dave. It is. You put caramel in anything. Caramel or caramel? You're a caramel guy? I'm caramel. I, I don't go that way, but that's fine. I think if you're talking about caramel things, you're probably looking at the similar colors at defense this week with the yellow and black in Hamilton. Just about all the other teams are pretty drastically overpriced. But Hamilton, second in sacks and second in turnovers versus a Toronto team that's giving up, I think, second in both of those categories as well. That's about as good a matchup as you could possibly hope for for a fantasy defense. And they're the second lowest-priced defense on the slate on the TSN contest. So if you are going with a defense this week, and I think you probably should, Hamilton is the option. If you look at it as we have... There's the opportunity for a touchdown there, multiple sacks and multiple turnovers at that price at around 4000 I think they may well outscore a lot of the other options at receiver or running back that are 4000 So for those who usually skip defense and just want to pay up for other positions, I think this might be a fair week to take that low price defense, stick them in there on a small slate, and hope for the best. I'm one of those guys who skipped a defense before. And I think I'm jumping the gun on a segment too early. So why don't we get into building a lineup on CFL and TSN, and we'll wait for Dave's confession after that. So where are we starting? Last week you had mentioned quarterback was kind of the spot they left for the end when normally you would build from the quarterback position. What are we doing for week 12? I think probably you can start at receiver this week, and like I said, lock in Addison. He's got as consistent a workload and good a matchup as you can possibly hope for at a mid-tier price tag that's just way too low for what he's been 
been putting together so far this season. If anything, his best games are probably to come. So I'd start with Addison and then build out from there with your quarterback. My preference is probably for Trevor Harris and locking in production that I know is going to be there on a weekly basis with so much uncertainty at running back and some of the other receiver positions especially. I think you can certainly afford him with some of the cheaper options that are available at running back and receiver. And then you don't have to worry about whether Dane Evans is going to be able to pass for 300 yards ever or whether Bethel Thompson will be able to keep it up versus probably the best pass defense that he's faced in quite some time. Whether Fajardo ever throws another touchdown pass or whether Strevler remembers he's allowed to pass the ball. You can kind of move on from there and figure out from the rest of the positions where you want to go with things as opposed to being stuck figuring out where your production will come from. Dropping down to running back, I think that Chris Rainey is probably one of the safer plays this week at the position, despite the fact that the whole position is kind of gross. And you may just want to punt the rest of the RB positions all the way down to Christian Jones at 2,900. Or if you uh, we get a feel on what the Winnipeg running back situation might be as far as workload, maybe Santiago or Augustine become an option. But as of right now, if it's a four-way split between Strevler, Santiago, Augustine, and Dembski out of that backfield, I don't think any of them will probably get more than seven or eight carries. So it's difficult to rely on that even at 3,500 or 4,500. For the rest of the receivers, the best value options this week are going to come from Rodney Smith, priced just over 4K, and Jalen Acklin, priced just under 3K, given the workloads they've been getting over the last couple of weeks, and especially Acklin in the matchup versus Toronto. A uh, receiver that cheap and that good a matchup is difficult to ignore. So if you're dripping from there, defense, like I said, I think it's Hamilton or nothing this week. There's not too much point in paying up top in matchups where there probably aren't going to be a lot of other turnovers happening. If you want to have no defense, fair enough. If you want a defense, Hamilton's the one for you. Well, Hamilton was the team that I thought was going to pile up the points last week. And I think that uh, maybe didn't give BC Lions defense. They're secondary enough credit. You know, they had, their woes on offense. Secondary, albeit plays, 40, 45 minutes a game. <laughs> maybe not that much. But yeah, there's a lot of stress on their defense because their offense is not doing anything. So I thought Dane Evans was probably going to have a pretty good week. And that sabotaged the rest of my fantasy week. However, Ben, do you ever get you know, buyer's remorse so or maybe food envy? You go to a restaurant, you order something, you're like, I want that. Then the food that your wife has, you're like, oh, I should have ordered that. Do you ever get that at all? Every waking moment of my life, Dave. <laughs> Every waking moment is regret. It's the it's the worst. I, I hate ordering something and looking across and be like, oh, I should have got that. Anyway, I have this last couple of weeks, I've had this bad habit of second-guessing myself. But this week, it turned out to be good. So my, my negative confession is I started Dane Evans, who did absolutely nothing for me. However, five minutes before game time, I looked on my roster and went, you know what? I forget who I kicked out, but I'm like, I'm going to pop in Tavon Smith. You know, I, I just think with, you know, the way the matchups are set and, you know, Streveler, if he's not going to be able to move the ball, Tavon Smith isn't going to get a lot of targets. But I feel like the way that Harris has sometimes used him is either that deep ball or maybe a red zone look here or there. So lo and behold, the whole game he did nothing. And then there was that last play with about two minutes left that Tavon Smith paid off and got me 20-something points. You can luck box your way into happiness anytime, man. Happy for you. Yeah. See, I've tried to thank the room before, and it finally worked. One in 11 weeks, Ben, I did it. I outthunk the room. 
This is definitely a skill-based venture. <laughs> Fantasy sports, totally based on skill. 100%. 100%. Well, I hope that a lot of that advice has worked for you this week. And, and Ben, uh, can you know, those articles, you're reading those every week on CFL.ca as well as on Daily Roto. Uh, any final thoughts for episode 88, Mr. Kramer? Enjoy Labor Day weekend. Don't do anything stupid, kids. Like playing a Winnipeg Blue Bombers receiver, potentially. Is that in where that was listed? That's one of many stupid decisions you could make this Labor Day weekend. Probably one of the more tame ones. So, yeah, go ahead. If you need to do something stupid, play Nick Dembski. Speaking of stupid things that I've done, being from Winnipeg, I have made that trek to Saskatchewan many a Labor Day. And uh, the stupid things generally do get left in Regina on that weekend. Um, those are my youth years, my younger years, back when... Beverages used to be consumed at a higher level, and I, I don't drink anymore. So, But maybe that was one of the reasons why I don't drink anymore. I don't know, but, man, they know how to party in, in Regina on that weekend, that's for sure. I got to say one thing, and I know um, my old roommate, good friend, guy who's been in my fantasy football league for, I think, about four or five years now, this season-long league with a group of buddies we've had going on for seven years, after Fantasy.ca went belly up, we decided to just go rotisserie and do it spreadsheets. So my good friend Skyler, who happened to win the league last year, but that's fine. He never ended up playing me. He just won it without beating me. So this year I beat him twice. Um, and you want to... <laughs> okay, this is... Do you have a most painful fantasy loss, Ben? Like, I'm, I'm sure you've played you know NFL fantasy and whatever in the past. Is there one loss that you're like... How in the heck did that one player not make that play, which ended up make, making me lose to the one person I hate losing to? Do you have a memory of that at all? There's been some bad beats over the years, Dave. I played in one dynasty league for about a dozen years with college friends and their cousins and all kinds of people we rotated through over the years as they got tired of dealing with us. But yeah, I had one arch rival. His name was Scott. And uh, we were in the final, or I guess it was the playoffs. I think I was undefeated that season, 12-0 and going into the playoffs. And he won his last two games to sneak in with a sub-500 record. And he beat me in the first round of the playoffs at 5-7 and versus my 12-0. and And, uh, yeah, it was a perfect team and a perfect storm. And it never should have happened. And uh, I'll never let it go. <laughs> I've been an insomniac for 25 years, and that hadn't helped. Oh, the worst. I, I can think of some of those that I do, I tear up the regular season, and I'll get one big injury or one guy that just doesn't do it in a week, and I'll lose by, like, 15. Well, I beat Skyler by .65 this week. .65. That's six yards. That's half of a tackle. And I... I mean, like, if I lost by .65, I would have lost my mind. But Skyler and I have this trash talk to the nth degree. No matter what we do, we always trash talk it. So I have continually, all week long, whipped on him. Because that's two times we've played this week, and I beat him both times. And I beat him. He's a fantasy hockey guru. I generally don't do fantasy hockey. So I joined a bunch of his buddies last year. 14 guys. I don't know who they are. I auto-drafted, won the league. <laughs> Skill game, Dave. Definitely a skill-based game. All skill. Absolutely. All right. Follow Ben on Twitter at Ben Yamin. You can follow us, CFL Fantasy FTB, myself at Dave Dawson 7 Thanks so much for listening to episode number 88. 
Please play responsibly. Enjoy your Labor Day weekend. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Onside CFL Fantasy Football Podcast. To find out the very latest for your weekly CFL Fantasy lineup, follow us on Twitter at CFL Fantasy FTV.